Welcome to the Women's Utilities Network, One for All podcast, our corner of the world where we'll be talking all things energy, water, sharing personal stories and debating female issues. Enjoy. Good morning. My name's Lucy Ritchie. I'm the business development lead for Corella and also one of the One Advocates. And I'm joined today by two people from Mosul. Firstly, we have Amanda Hind, who is the market design manager. Amanda started her career in developing and implementing infrastructure policy and regulation. Having joined Mosul in 2019, she progressed from the role of market design analyst to market design manager. Also, I'm joined today by Liv Navarro, Head of Market Engagement and Communications. Liv is an experienced communications professional with a diverse set of skills. Liv joined Mosul in 2016 and was appointed Head of Market Engagement and Communications. Outside of Mosul, Liv is a trustee on the board of Mummy Star, a charity that supports women and birthing partners diagnosed with cancer in and around pregnancy. Gosh, thank you girls for joining me today. If I can come to you first, Amanda, could you tell us a little bit about your career journey to date and the journey into your position at Mosul? Yeah, of course, Lucy. So before joining Mosul, I work in the civil service in Singapore. And like you said, I work on infrastructure related policy and regulations. So that was the start of my career and actually helped me to learn to think holistically about policy impacts on a national scale. And that then shapes how we design and deliver policies. And I think that's really helped me to get the whole systems thinking in my DNA and in the way I do things. I then moved to UK about five years ago, having got married to a British citizen. But I then stumbled across the market design opening in Mosul, applied for it and got the job. I was very lucky in that after I got the job, a few months later, a vacancy for market design manager came up. And I think by that point in time, I've given enough confidence to the hiring manager that not only am I good at analyzing changes, I have the potential to be a people leader. And therefore, I got the job. So that's where that I am today. That's fantastic. And, and how about you, Liv? What was your career journey to date and your journey into, into Mosul? I think mine was a lot more ski-whiffy, I think, than Amanda's. I've got, I think, what you'd call now a port portfolio career I think that's the term people, I think people that's the term people use when they've jumped about a bit I think that's the how we're now phrasing it because I've definitely not had a kind of straightforward career ladder journey I actually started I, I went to drama school way back when believe it or not and then worked in kind of customer service roles within the theatre and arts industries did a little bit of comedy producing for a while was not very wow. good at it I'll be completely honest I've worked at Disney World out in Florida I've, I've done a, a whole range of different uh, roles in the past in in kind of managerial roles Uh, and then my move into comms was actually uh, about 10 years ago now I I got to a point I had a very great boss um, when I was a a box office manager in a theatre in London and he advised me if you don't want to do this job for the rest of your life you need to change it up now and I took that advice I heeded his advice and I asked some friends and some colleagues you know what can I do a lot of them said well you've always been good at writing maybe you should explore that so I moved into a a copywriting role as I say about 10 years ago and from that I moved into comms roles and kind of yeah supporting various different content creation in tech companies and then moved into Mosul in 2016. Gosh that you like you say a bit ski 
whiffy. But yeah. In the end. So how can you tell us a little bit more, Liv, about your experience? So like you say, you're, you found your way into the utility sector, but how does it compare to the different roles that you've had in terms of utilities to the background that you've just shared with us? Are the challenges the same or are they different from, you know, those other uh, other industries? Yeah, I think there are similarities. I think um, I think utilities is different mainly because you are in the public spotlight a lot more and you provide a vital service to customers. So you definitely have. Well, certainly for me, I feel that kind of weight of responsibility in doing the right thing by customers or for us as Mosul, it's around doing the right thing for our trading party members. Whereas where you work in, you know, where I've worked in theatre and the arts, obviously it's an entertainment sector. So whilst you still want to do the best by your customers, I don't think you have that same kind of vital service that you're providing as a natural resource. Sorry, But I think it's something I really used to shy away from. So I moved into Mosul in a very similar way that Amanda did. A job came up. I was going, I have no idea what this company is. I've never thought I wanted to work in the water sector, but I'll go for it. They offered me the job and I thought, okay, I'll try it out. I might last a couple of months and seven years later, I'm still here. And and I think it's because it is something that you become passionate about. It's something, as I say, you're providing a vital service in whatever capacity that is to customers. And you have a responsibility to the environment as part of that as well. So I think it does lean on your passions a lot more. In terms of the differences, yeah, I I think, as I said, it's really around that vital services. But some of the challenges are the same in terms of making sure that you're, you're working towards a shared goal building trust building brand those are all things that have been really essential within my role at the moment and how about you amanda do you find it very different i mean i guess for you uh is is the difference working in the uk yeah having come from a completely different country and culture i can i can give my opinion on that i think it's quite similar in that both like uk is really in an orderly society and there's a lot of power in the people's voices that so and i see that in the workplace there's a lot of respect for hearing team members voices and i appreciate that culture here i think for utilities in particular there's a huge focus on problem solving as well just like many other engineering professions. So I think at the crux of things, no matter what industry we are in, the crux of things is to get people to collaborate and pull in the same direction. And I've seen this in both UK and Singapore. The biggest challenge is often convincing people to change, whether that's investing in a new product system or getting them to change their way of working. We often meet that resistance to change And there are many reasons for that resistance, but fundamentally is how the change agent address people's fears and show them how the future will be better than the past. That's when change happens. And I think that's something that's, that can be universally applied across cultures and industries. And 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 I think, uh, am I right in saying that you both have teams within Mosul? So to your point, 
Amanda, how do you do that? I guess, you know, if you have a team, what does the term leadership mean to you? So how do you get, can you sort of give some examples or how do you get people to be open and to collaborate? That's That's a good question. In fact, I would say leadership is not just about the position one holds, but the influence one has on people around them. And it's something that my I've learned in my previous job so as well. It's how you influence people to achieve a goal. And I find myself most influenced by people whom I like and respect. And I think that comes from a place of credibility and authenticity. So I try to do that with my team, my, my colleagues as well. And what I do is I try to be there for them when they need me. And also not being afraid to show them that I don't have the answers all the time, but we can work it out together. That's how I, I be there for the big present for them. But because I'm a manager, I also have to give my team feedback. And I try and I tell them when they have done a brilliant job at the earliest opportunity possible, because it then shows that I've noticed their hard work and and I think that encourages them. I also have to be honest with them when they don't meet my expectations so they know where they stand with me. And although I try to give guidance as early as possible, but I also believe in letting them show me what they can do. And I've often found myself surprised by their creativity and tenacity in the way they've gone about to overcome challenges and complete that task. And how about you, Liv? Because you've got a team as well. Is your approach similar to Amanda's or, you know, what what does the term leadership mean to you? So I completely agree with Amanda. I think leadership is very much a quality. It's not about the position or the role that you have. And I think everyone within different roles, you know, whatever level you're at, you can demonstrate leadership potential and quality. So I think that's really important. And that's certainly something I think we're trying to embed within our, our within Mosul, within our company that we work for, that just because we are a small team, there is only so much you can develop within a team of 80 so realistically you may have to leave the organization to move up but you can still develop those leadership qualities within the company as well I'll be honest I think leadership for me is something that has taken a while to grow I think it's something that you know we not not that you assume automatically you're going to have it when you move into a different role but it takes work it does take work to define what type of leader you want to be and your leadership style so for me it's very much around supporting my team to be their best selves, surrounding myself with people who are experts in the field. And I think that can be a really difficult one to let go of, to know that you are a leader, you are a manager, but you might not have all the answers yourself. I think that is a difficult transition. Um, And I think when I first moved into a head of role, I've I tried to kind of wrap my arms around everything. And that's just not realistic. You need to be able to put trust in your team for them to be themselves and also for them to teach you things. You know, it can't just be a one one way system. And I think that's really important in terms of leadership. So were there any sort of, you know, standout or catalyst moments or people or leaders within your career that have, do you think, influenced you in your leadership style and and have helped you to progress to where you've got to now absolutely and I think they are they are both women that's not to say that I've not had incredible male bosses in the past but it so happens that the two women that have uh, the two people that have been catalysts in my career are are women and, and were my my bosses the first I don't know if I can say names but 
well I'll say she it. can I'll, I'll say it um she knows I talk about her a lot because she she was a real inspiration for me uh, Jennifer McKenzie who um was my former boss at Mosul she she was with the company for a couple of years um, and I think there's two things that were catalysts for me and it goes back to that leadership the first one was we had some honest conversations she was leaving Mosul and she said you know I think they're going to want to line you up for this job and at that time I had not even considered taking on the role of head of and I said to her do you actually think I could do this and she went a hundred percent you can do this and that was just that clarity of moment of someone going I believe in you a hundred percent and it didn't feel it felt completely genuine knowing that I might not have all the necessary skills yet but it was a it was a vote of confidence you can a hundred percent do this and I often you know for the first for the first kind of year I was in the role I would go what would Jen do that was my (laughs) yeah how would she react to this which was really important but also I recognise probably a year in, I am not Jen. Jen is fantastic, but I'm not her. So I can't be her as a leader. I have to be myself as a leader and I have to find what genuine leadership means to me. And that was probably a bit more messy. It was probably a bit more chaotic. I I do not have her sort of organisational skills. So mine was a bit more of a chaotic leadership, but it was me. And I think that helped then me and my team grow and us empower one another to, to be better and to be a high performing team. The other one, sorry, I'm going to sneak in another one. No, it's um, she's fine. she's my my current boss, and I'm going to name drop again. You'll you'll know her because she is on the board of one Sarah McMath, and again uh, a catalyst moment on six months into taking the role, having a, a very tearful moment with her in a cafe somewhere in London. I can't remember where it was, and and just saying I can't do this. I just don't think I can do it. And her going right, I'm gonna I'm gonna take over talking just just while you're crying. I'm gonna take over talking. Um, <laughs> And she just kind of brought me off the ledge and go, you know, said, you don't have to be excellent at all this now. This is a journey. And again, that sort of support and that level of confidence and trust that someone has into in you to not be perfect, I think is just so important. And that's, I think, what we all need to get around. We don't have to be perfect versions of ourselves yes. all the time. I think that is what leadership and that's what high performing is. There's only so long that you can sustain that. So you have to understand that there are going to be, you know, it's a, it's a journey on in terms of leadership and in terms of teams. Agreed. And how about you, Amanda? Well, Are there any sort of particular, you know, standout people that you've met or you work with that you feel have supported you, maybe without even knowing that they've supported you within your career and, and helped you progress to where you are now? I think that there are, there's, there are people who have done that. I'm not going to name them like Liv has done, but I think <laughs> if I have to summarise it, uh, when I joined Mosul, I was I felt very refreshed by the culture and environment in this company because everyone here that I've met is so humble and authentic from the SLT all the way to line managers and peers, which then made me feel very safe. That psychological safety is inherent in this organization. And because I have that, I don't feel afraid to try new things, to tell my boss about a crazy new idea I have, or to make any mistakes, because I know that as long as I'm learning from it and I'm if I'm upfront and share my learnings with my team, everyone will be like, Yeah, that's great. Actually, thanks for sharing. And I that gives me so much courage to to try to lead a new project or or just to, you know, promote a new idea. Because Nothing is, is wrong with just learning every day. And that helps me to grow. I mean, it, you, you have to keep an open mind, don't you? I mean, I always use this, you know, every day is a school day. 
because you can you, you can have all these plans. I mean, even today, you know, you have a plan in your diary, but there are always curveballs and things, whether that's externally influenced your day or just in, in, in a personal way or in a professional way. Um, so, yeah, every day is a school day and you have to go with it, I think, don't you? Yeah, not be afraid to try. Try If it fails, we'll pick ourselves up and try again. you're both so positive Liv this one's for you actually we have a number of women at the moment in CEO roles across the water industry now do you feel the experience for women working in the industry has changed over the well I guess over the time that you've you've spent within the water industry in particular yeah so it's it's an interesting one and I think um, so I've been in the industry now seven years and I think it from from what I've seen I think it has changed but I think there is a, a bit of a risk. I think it's changed in terms of what we've seen at the very top levels of the organisation. As you said, we've got a number of women in CEO roles, in managing director roles across uh, across the water industry, so much so that I think the water industry is now kind of championed as a bit of a an industry that has got, I, I don't want to say quality right, you know, that, but, but in terms of has seen women succeed. But I think there is a risk that it becomes somewhat of a distraction. And I think this is something that's really important to me as as a as a head of that we still have a real gap in women at senior management roles. So we've got a, a lot of women at the top level of organisations across the water industry, but actually there is still a gap where we don't see women staying in the industry. And that might be for a variety of roles. That might be because they chose to have families and they chose to take some time out. And we might not have the policies in place within the industry to attract women to come back. We might not support women in coming back in the same or comparable roles. So often women, I think, feel they have to take a step back if they're doing reduced hours or anything else like that. So I think it's really important that we tackle that. And I know that's not, we're not the only industry that is guilty of that. But I do think we need to look at our policies and how we support women who may leave the workplace and come back into the workplace to make sure that they can continue to progress in their careers, whatever that career looks like. So I think it's really important to champion the experiences of women at all levels of their careers. And and I know, we, you know, we discussed in, in putting together this podcast, part of the reason Amanda and I wanted to speak is because we're, we're managers, we're heads of, to share the experience and say, you know, what is what might be missing and what do we need to do to make sure that our voices are heard as well and that we do, as I say, we do put in place policies and processes that allow women to continue to progress. Because I think as I say, otherwise, I think there's a risk that we we think we've tackled the problem and we haven't. And I, I think we're still at about 30% women in the industry. So there is a lot more work that needs doing. It's, I mean, it's really interesting. I mean, in the work that I do, I work across the whole energy and utility sector. So that includes gas, power, the supply, supply chain, waste companies, just all the whole kit and caboodle. And you're right, I think the water industry does that does see does seem to be a spotlight on it around that CEO role because there are more, I think, CEO women CEO within the water industry than by comparison to the other utility industries. Are you saying then that the gap, you know, you're you're kind of happy being ahead of and you don't necessarily want to be a CEO? And what's the what's the gap between being ahead of and a CEO? Yeah, so I think it's about championing women at any stage in their career and 
you know, while you know, I'm not taking away from the the women who are CEOs within the industry. I think it's fantastic, and I think we should shine a spotlight on it because I think it's a, it demonstrates not only their hard work but the hard work of the industry. But I do think we potentially need to look at different roles and what that means to individuals as part of their own development. I think we've discussed, and you know, Amanda and I have discussed. Sometimes I'll I'll go to event and there'll be a panel of speakers who are women who are, have very successful careers. And it can actually make you feel a bit crap, to be completely honest, where you go, well, that's not me. And and I don't know if I actually want to be a CEO. I'd like to still develop within my career, don't get me wrong. But, you know, there's this sense of kind of obligation that you have to want that or you have to succeed at that, I think can sometimes work in the opposite way and, and make women feel quite insecure about their successes and their achievements. So I just think we need to be more vocal about championing women across the board within the, the sector and other sectors. So. Is there anything you'd like to add, Amanda? Well, I feel so inspired by Liv. I think she's right because I feel happy for women who are CEO, but not all of us want to be there or can be there. It's a, it's a permit, you know, it's a permit-shaped organisation everywhere. And it's important that we champion the everyday women performing in their roles, doing their best for what, for, for what they need to do for that company and, and continuing to make a difference in the lives of their customers, the people around them. And I think that's so important. And I think being able to do that is a pat on the shoulders for everyone, regardless of their titles. No, I agree. So what does success mean to you now and for the future, Amanda? I mean, both of you are obviously at different stages of your career. What, yeah, are, I, you, what, what, what are you, Amanda, sort of striving for? You know, Or are you happy where you, where, where you are? I mean, you, you seem like you've kind of got it all mapped out. Oh. Your, your, your future, <laughs> big question mark. But um, it does sound like you've got some kind of plan. Well, um, <laughs> that's very kind of you to say that. I think I don't have huge plans, but I am doing a MBA to better myself, to learn new skills of, and behavior. And I think success for me is knowing that I have made a difference in that place that I was at, whether that's improving a process for the team or unleashing potential in people that they never knew they had being that encourager for them. I think that for me is success in in a longer period of time. And success every day is is just doing a good job every day, having achieved what I've wanted to achieve. I've encouraged someone, made their day, and that um, I have been a positive impact on the people around me. That's success for the everyday. And how about you, Liv? You sound quite similar to me, actually, that you kind of, you've ended up here. You've ended up in the <laughs> utility industry. And I'm, you know, I'm still, I applaud you, Amanda, for having the plan and doing the MBA. It's, you know, I'm still trying to figure out who I want to be when I grow up. Liv, what does success mean to you? And, you know, is this it for you, Liv? Uh, would you introduce yourself as, hi, I'm Liv and, you know, I'm, I'm successful I, th- I think it's a, it, I mean this probably ties into maybe a, another conversation about imposter syndrome but I think yes. we, we're always striving for the next level of success right we we have success yeah. and then we're striving for something else sorry I'm just going to give a slight tangent but I think it speaks to what you've just said Lucy I went to the the dentist the other day and the dentist was was talking about something about moving out of London and she said oh I think you're the same age as me and I thought you can't be the same age you're a dentist you've got a proper job you know you've got a real job you're a dentist yeah. they're they're older than me you're they're a grown yeah you're a grown-up you can't be the same age as me and it was that sort of moment of going okay you know recognizing where you are and I think success 
to me, I think it's around, to be completely blunt, it's probably around having a job that you enjoy. I think that's a level of success. And I think, you know, I I loved what Amanda said about just championing all women within the organisation who do their job excellently. And I think if you can do a job, inspire change in some way, you know, I love reflecting back on the last seven years of Mosul and going, oh, I had a role in that. My team led that. I recommended that. I, del- you know, I suppose creating change, positive change, and knowing that you have been a part of that in some big or small way, I think is a sign of success. And I think if you are happy within your job, that is also another sign of success for me. Okay, and well, to your point then, uh, and I'll go, I'll go, as you've got the mic, Liv, what advice would would you give to any women that are in, in sort of similar positions around that whole? imposter syndrome you know have you been in any sort of situations and where you've wanted to do something but then you've just been absolutely overwhelmed I mean you mentioned it earlier in your conversation that you had with Sarah if you can go back to that time and it's not too painful for you what gives you the confidence to believe that you can do something so I think imposter syndrome is something that you can't get rid of but you just learn to manage and I think you have different ways of managing that imposter syndrome and I think it can hit you at any stage of your career for me there was and Amanda and I were talking about this earlier I think there is there's a bit of a pivotal moment for me and this isn't to say as I mentioned I've completely ridded myself of imposter syndrome it still hits me unexpectedly but I remember uh, speaking to one wonderful woman who was uh, a mentor and I you said you know I just don't think I'm good enough for this job and she said, oh, I, or I, I don't think I'm qualified, I think is what I said. I don't think I'm qualified. And she asked me outright, have you lied to anyone? And I said, what do you mean? And she said, to get the job you've got, have you lied to anyone? Have you made up stuff on your CV? Have, you know, have you have you told them you've done something that you haven't? And I said, no, I've been really honest with what I've done and what I'm not good at. And they said, and she just went, well, then you've earned that position. And I think that's something I now share with others that are feeling that. If you've got that position, they've seen what you're capable of. You've not lied about what your experience is and what might be some gaps in your experience as well. If you've not lied to anyone, you've earned that role. And I think you just, we we have to, as women in particular, I think we just have to, we have to boast a bit more. I think we just have to be a bit more. I And again, this is something that someone shared <clears throat> with me, that if you, if you try and be arrogant, you're never going to get there, but it might lead you some way to being more confident so try and be arrogant you won't get there but you'll at least be you'll have the level of confidence to see you through that's really really good advice and I think that the blagging and and the confidence thing we all need to sort of work on I I don't actually think it's a a, a female trait actually I think Mm -hmm. you know it's across the piece isn't it it's not something that sits comfortably bragging or talking about well I did this and I did that and etc etc people are are quite humble I, I find anyway Amanda, was there anything that Liv said that kind of resonates with you around the whole imposter syndrome and having the confidence? And is there any particular time where you just thought, I just just can't do this? Yeah, of course. In fact, I think something that Liv said about bragging touched me. I think I've I've learned to look at it slightly differently, actually, having been uh, on my MBA recently. It's about 
it's not bragging. It's about making ourselves more visible. So because we may be very good at doing our jobs quietly, but if we're not visible, we are not influential and we can't be change agents. So that doesn't serve the bigger purpose that we want to achieve. So we need to talk ourselves about ourselves more. And rather than think of it as, us trying to brag, we can reframe that to us building informal connections. So because by sharing our stories, what we've learned, whether that's from a success or failure, people are actually really curious about it and they'll be more than happy to have that conversation with us to exchange like insight and we can all benefit from that learnings together. And also just by checking in with people, asking people how they are getting ourselves to into a small talk with people that's not bragging that's us showing concern to someone else and that gives us that visibility and connection with people and also another thing I learned recently in my MBA is that three percent of people in the organization typically influence 85 percent of the other people and these three percent of people are known as super connectors to be a super connector what it takes is to build relationships with people being a model of trust and positive behavior and always following up with people. So there are easy things, well, I say easy, hopefully, for women. And women are very good at doing this. You know, we like to talk. We like to ask people how they are. And I think that gets us in that state. And we can be that super connector. Wow. That, well, do you know what I was saying earlier, wasn't I, about every day's school day? So there's some <laughs> there's some killer stats there, Amanda, about, and I've learned a new new term, super connector. Who knew? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a new term for me as well. But yeah, I'm so grateful that, um, again, it's about putting yourself out there. Go and learn a new thing. And it just opens my eyes to how much it applies in our life, in our job. Yeah, I'm really appre- appreciating the fact that, yes, I've I took myself out there to do something different. The way you talk, Amanda, so passionately about your MBA, I'm almost got my pen. I'm I'm here poised to think, do you know what? It is something that I've personally considered doing, but I'm like, well, I don't know, you know, is that me? Do I do I a bit like you live, you know, who am I? Who who am I? You know, when you're at the, at the dentist and you know, you kind of I'm constantly, you know, comparing myself to other people, you know, and I think you mentioned live earlier about your age. Well, you know, you can't possibly be the same age as me you know you're you're a grown-up and you're a dentist and you you trained seven years or eight years to become a dentist yeah I was just gonna say we really have to get out of this notion of comparing ourselves I think yeah. and and it might be that I, I don't know if it's a female trait as well I think it might hark back to when there were fewer roles for women that we maybe compare ourselves more because we're all kind of seeking those opportunities but again there's a there's another lovely quote that I love which is don't let your ice cream melt while you're counting someone else's sprinkles and I think we just we do that we're like well they've got all of that but what have you know they've achieved all this but what have I achieved in my and we've all achieved things you know we're all sitting here as women that are managers we're in senior roles within organizations and we just need to stop comparing ourselves and recognize that we are we are confident and we are capable women and I think it's also comparing ourselves today and ourselves in the past have Mm. we are we a better person today than we were yesterday or a few years ago and I think that's the comparison we should make rather than with the people around us as long as we're bettering ourselves each day. Do you know what, ladies? I have learned so much this morning in our short time together. I cannot thank you enough for sparing the time um, to talk to me on this podcast. Was there anything else before we call it a day that you wanted to say? Um, maybe just one more thing for me. 
sure. back to the imposter syndrome point, I think it's all in our self-talk rather than rooted in reality. And somebody in Moza told me, it's not about you having the answers straight away. It's about showing that you have the ability to get to the answers. And I think telling ourselves that will give us that confidence that no matter what task it is, we, I will get there. I have the curiosity. I have the resources. I will get there. I think that that would just boost our confidence. Fantastic. And Liv, any sort of fine, final comments from you? Oh, gosh, I don't know if I can top that. I think Amanda summed it up, <laughs> Amanda yes, summed no, it up I, perfectly. I uh, but no, I think it is. I think that's that's right. And I think going back to maybe what I said about kind of leadership, you know, recognising, as Amanda said, you don't have to have all the answers to, to kind of do the job or to lead a team. It's about working with great people that can help you get there and you can probably help each other. I was also going to say this this is kind of a random one. You could probably sense uh, Amanda and I, we, I think it's amusing. We, we said we, we've got very different careers, but we've also get, we've got very different, um, I suppose, preferences too. And it's probably demonstrated, which I think is a, a huge bonus as well to see two people that have got different preferences and how they work. But one thing I think that gives gives me confidence, and this is this will sound really random, but I do yoga and I love yoga and I'm trying to get my yoga teacher training, which is very important to me. But yoga actually gives me a huge amount of confidence and not because I'm, you know, I don't know, stretching and everything else and it helps with my physical fitness, but because you are part of something much bigger and it reminds you that you are just part of a bigger thing around you, that you're just one person. I think we we catastrophize a lot around our our worlds and think the world revolves around us somewhat you know we all have that nature and I think reminding ourselves that we're part of a, a bigger universe is really helpful too. Amazing honestly I myself I think we'll, we'll share with the audience this was our first podcast I think me as an interview and you two as interviewees I could and I, I myself I think was, was suffering from sort of imposter syndrome you know well how's this gonna go and how's it gonna run you guys have made it so easy for me I think yeah I don't even know whether you know your your one members but I think I kind of want to back you now I can see both of you if you were interested in becoming advocates or mentors I think you've both got a lot to offer other people other women in the in the industry and potentially you could speak at some events because I think both of you have talked really openly and positively about well pretty much everything I think we've covered quite a lot this morning <laughs> ladies you've been listening to Lucy Ritchie uh, one of the women in utility network advocate Liv Nabarro and Amanda Hind from Mosul <laughs> <laughs>